Bigger doesn't always mean better. Today's episode of Goat Gab features special guest Patricia Bailey of the renowned PJ Bailey's Herd in Ohio. Join us as we talk about balancing active teenagers, other livestock interests, a full-time job, and a competitive herd. goat gabbers we are excited for another uh exciting rendition of goat gab as always i'm one of your co-hosts cameron jablowski and i'm your other co-host laura warren hughes and we are so excited to be here today and especially excited to welcome a new guest to our podcast we have patricia bailey of pj bailey's herd in the beautiful state of ohio hi all patricia if you don't know the pj bailey's herd not only has wonderful goats, but a wonderful family as well there. Um, and just a, a delight to be around with shows, visit with them at the national show. And she came up with a great topic or recommended a great topic. So uh, when you recommend a great topic, generally you do get suggested as to come on and be the guest. So Patricia, congratulations for nominating yourself. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I told you I can't I can think of others. <laughs> But more excited to have you on this week here, uh, talking about kind of just managing smaller herds here and talking about the impact that you can have on that as well. But more of that later. Let's talk about what's up on our farms. Laura, what's up with you? Um, it's snowy, cold. The goats are happy. Um, um, one of my favorite things about snow in having goats is that they act like little babies they're running around and being crazy and and jumping up and down and and i just i really enjoy watching that so that that's made me happy and uh been a little bit under the weather so excuse the kind of croaky voice here so happy when i have adult kids who are willing to chore so that mom can feel better that's really that's it no baby goats yet we've got about three weeks until kidding starts so um getting a little excited about that and a little nervous, you know, making sure I've got all my stuff together. Like we talked about last week and, and uh, ready to go. So that's about it here. Patricia, anything going on in your farm? Snowy and cold. So ditto on the same level as you guys. <laughs> um, kind of boring here right now, since we, we will not have any um, goats due until February 8th is our first Due date. We have three Alpines and a Nigerian due around February the 8th. Um, we've been trying to get some barn cleaning done and feet trimming, Bose shots, stuff like that. But um, other than that, it's just cold and snowy. My husband's been working hard because we just got our first big snow. <laughs> For those of you that haven't met John, um, you have to meet him. He's just a character. And honestly, probably one of my one of my favorite people to interact with when I go to shows uh, is John Bailey. Um, just because he's, he's very funny and you never know what he's going to say. <laughs> very true. <laughs> he, he probably fits the gabber section of this more so than me. <laughs> and he can talk goats too, don't? I mean, he can... Oh, yeah, he, he loves his goat people and all of our friends, and we sure do have a good family. Oh. Yeah, that's the truth there. Well, um, we, on my farm, we started kidding, actually, uh, it would be the equivalent of today, which is Monday. Um, our first kids dropped at 1 o'clock-ish in the morning, 
So I'm a bit tired right now because I'm the ones that found them. <laughs> um, so my dad set an alarm for like an hour and said, I'm going to wake up uh, in an hour and go check this goat and look on the cameras. Uh, I got up like an hour and I just hear his alarm going off. He is just conked out on the couch, um, not getting up to his alarm. So I look on my phone because we got the barn cameras up now. And what do you know? There's one just hanging out there. I said, okay, cool. I got out there. The doe pushed out a second one too, or I pushed out a second one. I dried him off and brought him in. And I said, they're yours to take care of. Wake up. Um, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we, we have officially started, uh, the long kidding season here. So I'm, I'm tired already and we've only had two born and I'm watching my, my phone now as we record, um, for the other one to kid as well. Well, that's fun. At least you're not out in the ice cold. Correct. The, the barn cameras after we did some research and I did some work and I talked to some people at Best Buy and I said, I grabbed a Wi-Fi extender and I said, and I said to the people, I said, would this work to get through a metal barn? They said, I don't know, but if there's any Wi-Fi center that can do it, it'll be this one. And it seems to be working super well. I've been monitoring the goat all all uh, day. Um, and then my dad has been monitoring the goat as well um, from it here. Ooh, I am seeing a little bit of action in the pen as well. I don't know if that's a baby goat or a cat, though. Yeah, your cats have made have made you have a lot of fun with that. Yeah, so we put on uh, motion detection on our cat on our camera, so when the goats get restless, you know, we can kind of see that type thing. Um, but it, really, it just goes off for the cats, like the cats playing in the straw. So that's that's a big problem. <laughs> oh, up update here, update for the listeners here, a live update: two bucks and a doe born. So. Good, good, good. Excellent. Excellent. So we're done kidding until next weekend. Yeah. Other than that, uh, other than that, a light week. I'm looking back to my nose here. Uh, We induced goats for the first time as well. And, you know, I'm always a little leery of that, but um, it, it, I I think inducing is going to make our lives a little bit easier. Patricia, do you induce your does? I do. Um, I have not used it so much in the past couple of years as I have in the past. But um, if I know I have somebody um, that is having a problem of some sort or the weather is going to turn really crummy and we um, want to be there for sure, then I will use it with with no trouble. I used it for years and years and years, um, probably over 20 years worth of using just I use just little lice. I don't use dexamethasone with it or anything unless it's a goat who um, is a premature kid and, you know, you're trying to. get the lungs to mature when before the babies are born but i think it's an excellent tool especially for um emergencies and bad weather and you know making sure there's not a disaster <laughs> right yeah i would agree with you wholeheartedly on that for sure yeah i agree on that one there moving uh right along here to add good news laura i know you had your big meeting on the 12th I want to ask you a serious question. Did you guys fix the NG system? (laughs) No, but I think progress is made. Um, And, you know, again, trying to, trying to always look at positive things. Was it not totally cool when you could look up your 2021 kids on ADGA genetics? Yeah. uh, I want to talk about that here. And I got a question for this group here. 
People have complained about Adga genetics not being on, being online, but did that stop them from breeding their goats? No, because I remember a time, and granted, you know, it was a lot shorter. It was it wasn't so long ago that we didn't have Adga genetics, and people are acting like people act like they can't breed goats without it. Right. I yeah. I never really did get that. I mean, is it nicer to have it? Heck yes. I mean, Adga genetics is amazing, but. Yeah, they, you can still breed goats without it. I I never really understood why people were in such, such up in arms about it, but it, man, isn't it great to have Yeah. A- uh, yeah, I agree on that. I, I was just curious, like, because some people think that we can't breed goats without it, or how do we breed goats without it in the past? It's a tool in the toolbox is what I tell people. Right, exactly. I, yes, but... They haven't lived without it, is what it is. <laughs> I, I especially like it for my older breedings type thing, rather than my newer breedings, um, because I, I can see a lot more with the older breedings rather than the newer breedings, because I wasn't around back in those days. Patricia, maybe that's an alp or a, a French Alpine breeder thing too, or you know, if if you're if you're delving back into some of those older. Um, you know, lines to kind of see what was back there or what they did. Do you think maybe that might impact how much you use it versus not? Well, um, I come from an old school, you know, where, um, you know, way before we had the beauty of ADGA genetics, where um, we relied on, you know, paper herd brochures to do our research and graft out the pedigree on a piece of paper. Oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah, I've got stuff like that banked away in um, totes that where I, you know, bef- the days before children when we had time. <laughs> and I could sit down and do stuff like that. But um, that's how I taught myself was um, looking at um, herd brochures and how the how those breeders way back when did their work and helped me get to where I am today. So it is neat, though, to be able to just click a button and be able to raise all that up on a screen in front of you versus filing through all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a help. Yeah. Uh, additionally, on the Agga News front here, we you know, there's a lot of, of buzz going on right now, especially as of today, where I, I think, and I'm not 100% sure, they put in a lot of the DNA requests that came through. And everybody's balance might have got smaller in their accounts. There's a lot of buzz on Facebook about that. Um, and one thing, and I know Laura and I were talking um, about it here, is just make sure you check your balances, and then make sure you go through and you really try to remember what converse or what things you did do in that Edgar Genetics account, and why those charges might be there. Uh, I, I get it. We might be able to to you know have sticker shock and be like, wow, there's less money in my account than what I thought that was going to be there. But if you have questions put a support ticket in or call the Adga office because they're going to be able to walk you through it a little bit better as well there rather than getting angry at Facebook. Yeah. Don't just assume that there's a mistake. I mean, always keep your eyes open to the fact that there could be a mistake, but, but more importantly, you know, go back and and say, Oh yeah, I did have a DNA request that I made back in February. So that's 11 months ago. Um, And I never did get charged for that. So make, you know, make sure that, Make sure that you know what you're looking looking for, and and uh, you know do double check. Always always double check to make sure that you know the charges are correct. But um, you know 
give the benefit of the doubt. If you can try to be mindful of, of what has gone through and just make sure that it is correct before you jump to the conclusion that it's not correct. Yeah. So, Oh yeah, I agree there. Um, and, and last but not least here, the AGS and BGS um, conversions are being tested right now on stage. That was released um, via Lance in his email there. So I'm excited about that for our friends with AGS ones and then uh, our friends with, with BGS goats and the Guernseys that have been waiting to be registered here as well there. So again, there is light at the end of the tunnel as it pertains to AGS goats and BGS goats there. Um, you know, I, I applaud them being patient. Um, and, and I'm thankful that we're finally to the point where we can, we can do some of these things. And I sure hope that it, I hope that it gets fixed quickly and it is bug proof. We know that there's probably going to be some bugs to work through, but gosh, darn, they have been so patient and it'll be cool to see that breed really grow and thrive at, at all of our shows. And I hope, hope they're able to do that pretty quickly. Yeah, I, I think so as well there. Um, that's all there pretty much is on the Edgar front. Laura, just remind me again, is there any upcoming deadlines that members might need to be aware of? Well, just, uh, remember the end of the month. So the end of January, if you have not signed up for linear appraisal, you need to get that done by the end of January. So, um, and you know, just to kind of recap some things that we've talked about before, even if you think that there's not a chance that you're going to get appraised because your area was appraised last year, it doesn't hurt to sign up. If they can't get to you this year, they'll let you roll it over for the next year. But if there's some chance that they're going to be able to get you, go ahead and go ahead and, and open up and, and go ahead and sign up for it if you can. Yeah. I, and also DHIR um, signups are due as well. If you're not an Edga plus member. So I found that out as well as I was kind of perusing through the website as well there. One thing, I do want to take a moment, and I, I do want to talk about this, because I was digging through the NG system just out of curiosity, and I kind of want to bring this attention to Patricia and Laura. The, there's a whole section of the NG ADGA app that they have of GOATs uh, reporting um, basically their awards that they've won, Milk Stars and other things there. So I was digging through that, and what I found is that your GOAT can win a Milk Star after it's dead. Oh, yes. I knew that. No, knew that? I didn't know that. I don't think I knew that. I was... But, well, you, they could do that through offspring. Yes. yes. Is that correct? Yes. That's that's how my... I, I had a doe that passed away, and she suddenly changed from a CH to a GCH. I'm like, what? <laughs> through her offspring. She had two bucks that I sold to a herd um, out east, and yeah. Yeah. So I did, I did discover that. So that's yes. Kind of fun. And, and one thing I also found as well that's really cool in the NG system is if you click on, I think it might be awards or something like that there, you can see which goat or which show your goat actually got the legs from as well. So that's really cool to click on. And then if you click on what show that was, it'll actually take you to the report of awards from that show. The actual report? Like, yes, you can see goat per goat, information per information there. Very cool. That'll that'll be really nice for like all American entries and well, like I, I found it and I went back all the way on the system actually to the year of like two thousand and six or seven or something like that. There, so like they've got a lot of these historical report of awards like stored in there, so you could go and look back at things and be like, oh yeah, that's where because I, I had a goat named Spaghetti that finished, and I never knew. 
I never knew where spaghetti finished. I always thought it was at this one show, but I didn't really know. But there was 40 goats, 40 recorded grades in a youth show, youth show. And she got a, as her final leg, she got reserve grand champion. This goat had very little udder attachment, but she milked a lot um, there. But she had very little udder attachment there. But the thing is, is that she finished going reserve grand champion at a youth show over like 40 goats. So I think that's kind of cool. Okay, that's lovely. Now, you know what you know what I and then our listeners are going to be doing after they hear this podcast, they're going to be pulling up all these reports of rewards and looking up stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and you could look it up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, first, but yeah, yeah, the Sandwich Youth Show in 2006 was quite popular. <laughs> Yes, but I, I think it's fun to share these here because, you know, we talk about the bad things about NG, but there's a lot of cool stuff that you can do if you just go play around in it. Well, and I and I think it's good to know that, too, because it gives us a glimpse of the positive side of it. I, it's so easy to get hung up on everything that's negative, and mm-hmm. if we can just remember, you know, there was a reason why we wanted to go to this new system, and and that we needed to go to a new system. So hopefully, hopefully uh, we'll continue to see these happy parts of it and, and uh, push on through the bad parts. Yeah. So. All right. Enough for Cameron fun facts here. Patricia, are you ready? Ready. <laughs> Patricia, to start out, can you just kind of tell us a little bit about your history and, and um, your start in goats and, and <coughs> excuse me about your herd? Okay. <clears throat> I may be coughing a little bit, same as you, Laura, oh, so, so bear sorry. with me. <laughs> um, well, we got our start in goats. Um, my original reason for having goats was um, just for family milk. And um, my husband grew up with uh, um, a family that didn't live too far down the road from him. They went to school together and all. And when I said I want a goat, he was like, well, I know where we can go get you one. So we did. So my um, very first goats came from um, a couple named Paul and Leola Herb. So Paul and Leola were my very first goat mentors. Um, They probably got asked more questions than you could shake a stick at. (laughs) And they were probably silly questions because, you know, when we're beginners, we all have silly questions, you know, or um, just lots of things that you just don't know that you feel like you need to inquire about. So. the first goats I got from them didn't end up being what I have now, which are, you know, the basis of the herd and, you know, my show goats. These goats were um, just good milkers for what we were looking for at that time. And eventually once I got more familiar with, um, I want a show goat, in parentheses there, um, Paul sold me a doe. Her name was Allen's A&B Almond. And she is the beginning of the line that would, like you guys might recognize, um, PJ Baylor's Charmer, Aglow, and Glimmer. Mm-hmm. Um, she would be their great, 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 great grandma. So um, they it began with her, with that line. And some may not realize, um, most of my goats are purebred, but that line is actually American registered, was back in the pedigree 
there was a recorded grade dough in that dough line. So, you know, we all know what that means. They get graded up to American status. So, but I have used purebred bucks, you know, I've always owned purebred bucks and um, the basis of them, what glow and glimmer are is purebred genetics. So um, the, the, that is one of my dough lines there. The other dough line, um, which would end up, you all know who and Anzella is. Um, I bought her great, great, great grandmother from Mary Lou Holsler, Meadowmore and Dairy Goats. Um, that doe's name was, um, Meadowmore and Classic Allure. And, um, she was the basis to that bloodline, um, and ended up creating Anzella and the, the offspring that I have out there now would be, um, uh, Ambrosia as the, and she has a daughter out there too. So, um, I guess that's that I did, I did bring in another line. I have three distinct doe lines, which would be Glow and Glimmer's line, Ambrosia's line, and then my apple line, which, um, if you go to my website, I've been doing a little, um, informative kind of post about each line. And that one started in 2010 with a doe I purchased from Hill and Holler, whose name was Hill and Holler Criterion Apple. And she is the basis to what we have out there, which is Apple Crisp and um, Apple Caramel Apple would be the last one out there for the younger one. So that's pretty much that. (laughs) And you also have some other breeds. You mentioned Nigerians, but you've had La Manchas in the past too, correct? Yep. We've had, we have La Manchas. We still have one La Mancha. Um, The La Mancha, came into our world when Jenna was just a baby. She was four years old when we got our first La Mancha. And the reason we did that was, um, as we all know, Alpines can be a little bit on the evil side. (laughs) 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 And they wouldn't let Jenna handle them. And and they were also really big for her as a four-year-old. So um, we bought a smaller built La Mancha dough for her. So um, there has been a La Mancha in the herd pretty much since Jenna was four. We bought that La Mancha, I believe it was 2010. That that she was born in 2003, somewhere like that. You know, I can't remember all those dates, but we still have one. Um, it will um, the doe kid that will freshen this spring. Her name is Cinnamon. We don't have a La Mancha buck currently, so she will be carrying recorded grades right now. So. Um, And the other breed we have right now would be Ashley's Nigerians. So we started with Nigerians in 2017. They are housed totally separately from the Alpines. And um, Ashley manages them herself. She takes care of them. Um, She has her own little milking shed that John built for her. I'm kind of jealous of it, you know, because it has heat. Like that. (laughs) My milking area has never had heat. So, um, pretty nice we can put our um kids in there for a little while when it's really cold when they were first born and stuff like that and you know we don't have to worry so much about frozen milking equipment and things the last thing i want is for my milking equipment to be froze up one morning and her milking equipment to be froze up and then we've got double trouble trying to get ready for work and school so it works out quite well but she she likes them really well um we've got a couple of um good buck so and you know like with breed any breeding program it takes years so she has a long haul yet to get 
you know, um, to where she could get in the show ring and be noticed. But we're trying. We're trying. (laughs) (laughs) And then in in addition to your prowess with your Dairy Goat project, you also have another livestock project that I see lots of show wins with. Chickens, right? Yes, your chickens. (laughs) Yeah, lots and lots of chickens. So um, their chicken project started about 2014. Each of them have their own breed that they um, breed and show with. I actually have some, too. I have silkies. They um, are kind of, I guess you could say, fuzzy-looking chicken. You know, the feathers are different from a smooth type of feather on a bird. Um, Jenna has really advanced with this. She plans to um, attend Wilmington College. She'll be graduating this summer from high school. And attending Wilmington College, she wants to get a degree in um, poultry nutrition. So um, her um, breeding project with her bird, she she primarily breeds the buff Brahmas, has morphed into something that could um, really, she wants to make a career out of it. So pretty proud of that. (laughs) That's very cool. Yeah. Ashley, at this point, you know, just 15 years old, so she's still trying to decide you know, what she might want to do later on. And Holden, he has, they're called the Ambers, Quail the Ambers, Quail's the variety or color of them. <clears throat> so he still shows them a little bit, but, um, you know, teenage boys, much more into his um, trucks and tractors and things like that right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure him and John really bond over it. well that was a great introduction there and obviously you guys have a lot of moving parts like many farm families do and oftentimes you're going about a hundred different directions am i right oh yeah i really feel like that a lot a lot of days (laughs) but somehow through all the chaos and the craziness here you have managed or maintained a very competitive herd of goats in, in the world there You've done it all while incorporating your kids into the operation there and and being um, not only uh, a super goat lady, but a super mom as well from what I've seen. So knowing all that here, let's talk about these goats here and kind of how you manage a small but yet competitive herd and you balance some of those things there. And the first thing I want to talk about is your kids. I guess how do you kind of manage that expectation with those kids? You know, you've got some Lamanches that are one kids and you've got some Alpines and you've got some Nigerians. How do you manage all their expectations with there as well as keeping the feed bill as low as you can? Well, you just have to put your foot down and I just tell them you can't be in love with every baby that hits the ground. They're all cute, but they, you have to look for some structure here. You have to know what you're looking for. We go to shows, pay attention to what the judges are saying, look at the other animals, because if you're not standing up front, there's a reason for that, you know. So um, I've tried to teach them, uh, you know, call, call, call. Like if it isn't exactly what we need and we, you know, we sometimes when you first start out with any breed, you can have a lot of hodgepodge because you really don't know what goes with what you know like bloodlines and things like that so you get um an inconsistent herd and i think that can happen to all of us at some point um even you know when you're trying even in my alpines i've gotten to points where i'm like well that buck didn't work you know so you have to call and and go back so 
I've tried to teach them we it's it's quality not quantity and that helps me keep from pulling my hair out <laughs> and the feed build up <laughs> you know I think Patricia a lot of people feel like in order to be competitive on a on a large uh, in the big ring for example <laughs> you know at at state or national shows especially national shows you have to have a certain number of animals in order to be competitive. You've kind of blown that. You've kind of blown that idea away. Um, you know, you have been competitive over the years, winning national junior champions or reserve junior champions, having animals in the top five placings at national shows, um, premier sires and so forth. And I, I think that, that what you've just said about calling tightly really kind of blows away that idea that you have to have, it has to be a numbers game in order to be competitive. Right. Yeah. Um, I've went to shows before where I just took one goat and she got best in show. You know, those were the days when I, when Am- Anzella was still around and I had another doe, which would be a great grandma to glow and glimmer. Her name was um, ambiance. We called her zero because she had a big, um, oh, on the side of her um, body. <laughs> so her nickname was Zero. So everyone around here knew who she was. She got best in show a lot too. That both those does were, um, of course, dear to me, and you know, almost like pets rather than you know the goats that they were. They were that that you know important to me as you know you know how you love them so much. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you can take just one goat, you know, I've, I've not had that privilege to go to the national show, take one goat, and, you know, I'm having a national champion, not ever, you know, privilege of having something like that. But, um, I, I think that, um, your choices of bucks is important, um, when they mesh with your herd and then you have a breeding that works, a lot of people have um, the need to, well, I have to breed her to somebody different next year, somebody different this following year. Well, I have felt sometimes like, hey, it worked. I'm not going to fix what's not broke here. And I would repeat the breeding for two or three years in a row. And that created a tremendous amount of consistency. Well, it's interesting you say that because I noticed that as well, uh, a lot in your herd as well. And we tend to do that as well is you know, I, I call it going back to the well. and. Can you talk about how kind of going back to that well helped kind of create a little bit of your type that you have now? Well, um, like I said, I think the the buck is important. And when you, you know, back to where we were talking about um, drawing out all those pedigrees on paper and looking at the um, old paper brochures and things like that, you know, I could sit down and go through all those things and, figure out what other people were doing and such. Um, I would look at a denominating sire or dam in the lines of whatever seemed to make, create the animal that I was trying to go for. And um, to my best ability, um, find a buck with those genetics and then go forth with that. So, um, the beginning to that for me w- with the buck that really started to make an impact here, his name was IR Ranch NCS Sultan. Um, he was bred on hill and holler lines and had some serendipity and old sandstorms back in his pedigree. And he crossed really well with everything that I had here at the time. 
And then um, when I did more research, I found um, Windrush and bought Charmer. And that just, all that solidified. And that's where um, <clears throat> Ambrosia came came out of that. Glow and Glimmer came out of that. And several other Charmer daughters, you know, which, you know, like I said, I'm terrible with my memory and all their names. So <laughs> that's where the consistency, I think, came and kind of drawing back to that well kind of a thing when you look at it that way. Yeah, for those of you that weren't around or maybe weren't an Alpine enthusiast, Charmer was darn consistent. Uh, he improved multiple herds. He was collected many times there. Um, and he did a lot, not only, <coughs> excuse me, for Patricia's herd, but other herds as well through some of his other use, especially yeah. in AI as well. I would say he's probably... Uh, I hate to say I hate to say this, Patricia, but I'm going to say it there. He was definitely a flavor of the month. I would say for multiple years. Wouldn't you agree? Oh yeah, for sure, definitely. It, so um, he, when does he, he was he was he worked well, extremely well for me, and was you know like you said, the consistency was second to none. Um, with Sultan, I would get an offshoot every once in a while. That I will just say the goat was was didn't have that stretch and length and dairy strength you want more of a cobby look and I would find you know family milker homes for those but um, Charmer really stamped his look on on our goats and and many 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 others so I was I was proud to own him <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, well it's interesting you say that there because the, you kind of got two you talked about you kind of two lines you have an American line and a purebred line. Do you, and, and for those of you, again, we'll go back to purebred alpines because Laura and I are geeking out right now talking about purebred alpines. We're unapologetically, I, I'm very unapologetic about asking these questions, even though it is very specific to the breed there. But one thing that you notice there is you have an American line and a purebred line there. How, what do you think you did in your small breeding program in order to make sure that you were consistent in both of your lines, even though you were playing with two different sets of gene pools. Well, if you look at it, if you bring it up on ADJ Genetics now or trace it back on paper, um, I think this is where a lot of people um, don't know <clears throat> that none of that, <clears throat> excuse me, American line that I have goes back to what a lot of folks think American is. There's no Shahinico in there. Um, no sodium oaks or anything like that on, on those aspects. Um, there is a buck in the, uh, my American line whose name was sodium oaks kiwi, but he was a purebred buck. So, um, I just, um, put it all together with, um, making sure that, you know, you have to line breed. So I was making sure with my bucks that, all of that kind of stacked together and I trace them all back to it. There was a lot of sandstorms and serendipity and such in that. So that, um, it all just blended well. I got lucky. <laughs> I'll say that. So Patricia, you're kind of saying, yes, they're American, but they're probably as French American as you can possibly get. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> if if the herb books could be opened, they should be graded up to purebred. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, see that. Let's yeah. see that. Because okay. I, I I didn't ever use like an American buck for what everyone might think American is. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, yeah. and that's interesting. Uh, let's but let's not open that can of words of opening the Alpine book because yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. we, and there's you know yeah I it's just my preference on my bloodlines and things that I like to look at. You know, everybody's got their cup of tea that kind of look that they go for and what they strive to breed for so um i that's just what i like and everybody's got the what they want to look at so patricia i'd like to jump back to um something that cameron had kind of brought up in uh, maintaining a small herd but having um different children with different breeds that they're interested in and so forth because that's something that i've run into here not necessarily with different breeds though i do have a second breed here but more of um, one daughter has these goats that she calls her goats and another daughter has these goats that are her goats. And um, when they were younger, we used to really run into some issues with guys. We could only keep so many. Um, um, And it seemed like my poor youngest daughter, it seemed like it was always her animals that were being sold because they didn't quite make the cut. Have you had to deal with that? Um, You know, in your herd and, and how have you kind of worked, worked through that? Because I know that I've had other 4-H families who have contacted me and said, how, how would you work this out in your family? You want your kids to take ownership of their animals and you want them to, to be interested, but you also have to realize that, you know, there are limited resources. Right. Yeah. Well, I just told them, you know, we can't be attached to every goat ever, you know, they've all had their favorites at one time or the other. But um, I guess I'm, I don't know if you call me the mean mommy or whatever. <laughs> I just made sure that everybody understood. And since, especially when they're younger, you know, um, I'm the main source of doing all the work out there. You know, they can help and do some things. But, you know, when you've got little kids in the ranges of, you know, five to ten, they're helpful, but they can't do a lot of, you know, paying attention to the, the milking and things like that, you know. So I just put my foot down and was like, look, we can't have 30 LaManches. It's not going to happen. <laughs> and um, I would prefer way less than how many my jerseys are right now. <laughs> you know, it's a cool thing. You just have to, you know, work with them, let them know. And the same thing with chickens. You know, we just can't have so many. You have to think about, you know, selling some because there is this thing called the feed bill and it is not cheap right now. <laughs> no. Yeah, I agree on that one there. So, have you ever? Oh, go ahead. With the you know keep keeping the herd down and and making the kids understand. On the other aspect of you know, a lot of their friends are in the goat world, and when we go to a goat show, you know, sometimes it wasn't about showing a goat; it was about going and playing with your friends. So <laughs> that I think that helped too. They would take their favorite one goat with us or choose a baby, you know, when they were younger that, you know, she can walk this one and it, it's not fighting her too much and that sort of thing. But um, so they didn't worry too much about it. It was more about going and, and being able to show goats with your buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the social aspect is a big draw, isn't it? Yes. Oh, yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> one thing I did want to ask on that note here, did you ever find yourself, uh, and this is something my dad did sometimes, shifting goats between names? Or how did you guys set up your structure of your herd 
So the go if if the goats had to be in their names for the ad paperwork to show them there. Well, ours has always been. Well, Jenna has a youth membership, mm-hmm. so all of the mantras have always been in her youth membership. And then our um, membership is Patricia and John and family. So we had the card that had everyone's signature on it. So whenever there was a youth show that that needed some sort of documentation like that. That was what suffice for them. So that's how we did that. Gotcha. Okay. I was just curious because one thing we get asked on Facebook all the time is, well, how do you structure your herd in order to make sure all your kids can show? And and there's lots of different ways to do that. It's just advent, what's whatever is advantageous for your herd and what your local rules are. When you say that, Patricia? Well, and, and when we took our membership out, um, that was something that Paul and Leola – actually sat down and talked with us about because <clears throat> they, they, you know, a lot of people, when you sell goats, um, the um, seller does not sit down with the new people and say, look, um, I'm selling you a registered goat here and you should become a member of this association. Um, Paul and Leola did that for us. They sat us down. They walked us through the paperwork of how to choose a herd name um, making sure that, you know, Paul was like, you know, people get sick, you know, sometimes to the point that it's really bad and you can't sign, physically sign over your goats to somebody else to get them sold. So you want to make sure you have more than one name on your, your paperwork, you know, so the and family solved all that. <laughs> gotcha. That makes perfect sense there. And I think that's a good thing for members that want or listeners that want to know like how to structure their farms there because and this is my opinion there's no good literature on on what it looks like for each specific area right yeah what yeah. a wonderful example of a mentor that they were for you guys that's just oh yeah that just they, makes my they heart were wonderful they and they still um want to see us every once in a while and <clears throat> always send us a christmas card every year and you know check in see how we're doing and things like that of course they don't have goats anymore but um, they do get a kick out of coming out here every once in a while and being able to just look at them, <laughs> especially Paul, because they were really his um, deal, not so much Leola's. You know, she just helped him and all that. So, <clears throat> yeah, they, there's not a whole lot of, you know, when you hear about that, like somebody that actually sits you down, a new individual, and explains how to um, fill that out, which, you know, nowadays, I suppose you could say to a newcomer, um, oh, just get online and, you know, you can take out a membership that way. And they don't have any trouble doing that because, you know, everybody these days knows how to work a computer. But back then, you know, it was all paper and he just felt like it was important to instill upon us that, you know, I'm selling you registered animals. You need to keep up with their registrations and your membership and make sure there's more than one person in your membership just in case something bad would happen, that other individual can sell them or do what needs to do, get them gone. <laughs> some of some family members may not want goats, you know? <laughs> oh, heavens, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not in our world, right? <laughs> right, no, that's right. So, Patricia, I was looking back through your um, website earlier today, mm-hmm. and um, was 2011 the first year that you, like, had, like, a – big deal win at at a national show yes and it blew me away (laughs) you want to talk about that a little bit like what that felt like and and what that did so um first of all it was awesome because that was the first time 
since John and I had had children that we went somewhere and they were not with us. <laughs> oh, wow. So our thing about the whole national show was, yeah, I had some pretty goats and thought I could do well. I was thinking, oh, if I get 10th, you know, 5th, I'm happy, you know. I never expected to have for anything to happen like it did. Um, but, yeah, we were just thrilled that we got to be able to go on a, quote-unquote, week-long vacation without our children. <laughs> <laughs> All the rest was icing on the cake. <laughs> so that was the year that um, Glimmer was um, – junior national champion so and did you just about fall over when they picked her oh yeah i couldn't believe it so um it was james covert who showed her for me and we i course, had two of them in the same class and um i needed help and and he was more than thrilled to help us so i remember that afternoon he and i took the goats each and was walking them around and seeing which goat works well for that person. And Glow always has been weird about uh, anybody else touching her. So she didn't want James to touch her at all. Glimmer was fine with it. So that's how it happened. And, and, and he was pretty thrilled because that was also his first time to ever walk a goat up to the table to have, you know, yeah well i remember that national show 2011 vividly as well because i was like who who are these people that won this like reserve champion doe and i didn't even know who was who had the junior national champion doe as well it's like some people from out east and then somebody from ohio who's from ohio <laughs> well winning at the national show put you on that <laughs> Yeah, and it's true that sometimes does happen uh, quite easily there. But you've stayed on the map as well there. I mean, you've ran the gamut from regular class winners here to selling high animals in the in the Colorama sale. I know because I think that was my first sale I worked actually with your doe, and she was the high seller of high sellers that at that show there, and, and a beautiful doe nonetheless as well. Um, and, and including running the gamut from winning classes to even um, winning uh, production awards as well there. So of all of these things, kind of what do you feel like is your aha, I'm, I'm a big dog here, and, and it made your small herd feel like it had come to fruition of your dreams? What was the one moment? Well, probably, um, probably my best national show was the 2014 national show. And I had a reserve junior champion that year. But I think the crowning moment for me was winning um, Dairy Bird. I just never expected that in a million years. And when they called us out, I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> just shocked. But um, it's, a, it's a testimony to, to your program. You got, you know, a lineup of those who all look similar. They have consistency. And I was just awestruck to have that, 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 you know, even over, I think that will probably be always the most important thing when big at a national show that I've ever done. Um, even over, if I had a national champion that, you know, Alpine was an utter, you know, yeah. <laughs> not ever gotten that, but I think dairy herd is really important because as a breeder, when, um, I want to check out who's doing what at the national show and what one, the first thing I go look at is the dairy herd because I want to see, oh, what's going on there? You know, right. um, what kind of consistency is there and that sort of thing. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's so important. It's something that I've I've said on this podcast before, but I'll say it again. This, those group classes is where you really see who has consistency of type. Because and Patricia, you said it best here. You know, the one there are people that come to the national show with one of a breed and and, and do win it all and win that thing, but. You know, are they really creating a breeding program? That question becomes there. And I can say this because I've been one of those people that have done this and I didn't really have a breeding program at that time as well there. So I'm picking on myself because I didn't really have a breeding program at that time. It was, I have this goat. So yeah, it's so important to look at those classes because, and I think it's going to lead right into Laura's next question about, you know, getting a reservation from a small herd, but you when you when you see consistency in a herd there and you win a dairy herd class, that means you feel you can feel comfortable as a buyer going to X Y Z W A B C Q goats in that herd and getting an animal from it because they have that same consistency throughout. Before we jump to my question on reservations, I did want to say I will never forget in 2014 watching you walk in Zella into the ring in that age doe class and she just you know there were there were a couple of alpines in that show that well several alpines that had a lot had a lot of presence but i thought she just stood out she was she was just amazing and she um, loved to show she really did she liked to get on the trailer and go she was not the easiest goat in the world to get it right you know she would have digestive problems and oh you know i can't eat this feed and i can't do this and you know blah 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 but you know i have good friends who helped me with those sorts of things and we made it right and yeah i was very proud to walk her in and another thing that she won that year was she was alpine total performer so um that is another award that i find um important and i'm very pleased and thrilled to have had that in our herd three different times <clears throat> she was angela was 2014 total performer and glow was 2016 and 2018 alpine total performer so that's a testimony to the performance programs you know that you're on milk test and having them linear praise and definitely um a tribute to especially looking at a glow. I mean, my goodness, she was, she was um, twice and not in consecutive years. I mean, that's, that's a lot of longevity there. Yeah. Yeah. She's, and she's still here. She's still, she's old grandma goat now. So doesn't get bread or anything like that, but um, solid as a rock still very sound and in her feet and legs. Um, just, you know, we get old and can't have babies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> In, in a well reserved, a well deserved retirement for sure. Yeah, definitely. So after you've had these successes, um, that was going to be a question that I had was concerning uh, reservations because I know that I know that you've sold several sons out of Inzella and some of your other does. How have you handled that? Because I'm sure that those reservations just poured in after your national show wins. Well, um, I just do it on a first come first serve basis. And um, I do all my inquiries mainly through email. Um, I think on our website, I took away our old phone number. We don't have a landline anymore, cell phone. But I don't have my cell phone on it because, you know, um, we get a lot of spam calls and stuff like that. And that'll be all hours of the day and night. So um, I do it through 
emails and you know t- take a tell them that it requires a $100 deposit and first come first serve and I've never really had any problems with that um in the aspect of um not being able to fill reservations for folks and a lot of times um even though I want to keep the kid um I will go ahead and sell it and and let those individuals buy those goats because um you can put goats in herds that um, you know they're trying. Um, you can mentor them, help them um, figure out feeding um, aspects and things like that. And there's a lot of goats that I've sold to other herds, and they've done really well with them. Which you know, then folks like us, we don't have to do all the work. <laughs> Helping them, you know, maybe answer some questions and things like that. But they're doing well and um, taking them to shows and promoting your your herd name and doing well with that. Well, along that line, now that I've got you as a captive um, guest here, (laughs) I always wanted to know how did Absinthe make her way out to the West Coast? Because that was a, a more recent winner, or she was a third place doe at the 2019 national show. Yeah, uh-huh. So, um, well, Tessa just messaged me and wanted to buy a kid. So, and she wanted it out of, um, it was Admire Me, I believe. And like I say, we'd have to go back and look at the pedigrees. I may be putting myself wrong there as to what that goat's mother is. <clears throat> so, Angela's granddaughter. Um, I had two doe kids born, took pictures, made little videos, that kind of thing. She picked out the one she wanted. I answered her questions, you know, does this one have, you know, more of this, that, you know, whatever she was looking for, and put her on a plane, and out she went. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, Tessa was wonderful to work with, and she done an excellent job with hers. Beautiful girls. Well, and that is something that, Patricia, I'm going to put you on the spot here. I know this is on my list of questions here. And that's something I've noticed you've done a lot of, is you've sold really competitive goats. You talked about admired me. She's in the herd one year, the other, the next year she's not. And I'm like, I know this goat was like 17th place for nationals or something like that, but I really liked her and I wanted to know what happened. So how, I guess, how do you make those hard decisions that, that you sell some really competitive goats? Each year. Well, you have to learn that you can't keep them all, you know, and um, she actually was sold with a group um, several years ago. Probably shouldn't have sold her, you know, she could have turned out to have been, you know, phenomenal, but there comes times when, you know, we've got chaos here at home, you know, the kids are going every which direction, um, so much busyness with everything that they've got they're involved in because. You know, it's not all about goats here. They, the, our children are involved in lots of other stuff, <clears throat> mainly um, agricultural, definitely. But it just keeps us so busy. So I just can't keep all those goats and you know dreaming about every one of them what they possibly could do. So I have to let them go. So once you do, it's out of your hands. You know, one thing I did learn from a good friend of mine. He was always like, once you have sold it. Um, you can't sit around worrying about whatever happened or if it didn't grow into what you thought it should because, you know, sometimes that happens and or that goat just doesn't work out in their herd for whatever reason. So um, the way I see it is stuff happens and you just have to let it go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Well, if you ever get a goat like Admire Me again and you want to sell her, you call me first, okay? 
that's that's on the record. So I'm just I'm letting you know. So. <laughs> Patricia, if you had any last words of wisdom that you wanted to share with um, other herds who are trying to uh, make their way into into the uh, world of success with dairy goats, what would those be? Well, don't be barn blind. And, and have a friend who can come over and critique your animals and tell you you don't need that one. <laughs> That's the that has been the greatest help for me sometimes is I think these go this certain goats is beautiful. I gotta keep her, she's gonna turn out to be this, this, and this. And I my BFF will come over and tell me, What are you thinking? you know? And <laughs> and then, you know, she goes. And so you sit back and you think, oh, I shouldn't have done that. What that you know, you can't sit around thinking about what the could have been. You have to work with what you have. So, um, I think that's a number one thing because these days having a herd that's too big um, beyond what you can deal with, beyond what your family can deal with. Because like I said, there's not a lot of families out there. There's sometimes just that one person that loves goats and nobody else does. And, you know, that puts a strain on your relationships. You don't want that. So keeping your um, herd down to a minimum, no matter what, is I think one of the best things you can do and having a good friend who can be honest with you and not, you know, not be, not make you, you know, you have to take it, you know, don't be mad. Like, well, he said my goat was ugly. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have to, to be realistic about it. And that's what I've done all these years is try to be realistic. I don't like to milk any more than 10 head and less if that's possible. So Pretty wise words to me. Yeah, absolutely yeah, on that right. one there. <laughs> yeah, Patricia, where can our listeners find information about your goats, your herd, uh, maybe even your chickens if you feel so inclined to share on the Facebook? Okay. Well, we have a website, pjbaileys.com. Um, also have a Facebook page. Um, if they just type in PJ Bailey's Dairy Goats, it'll come up. Um, on the chicken side, it's called Maple Hawk Exhibition Poultry. I haven't, be honest with you, I haven't done a lot with Facebook page for the chickens. Um, COVID has set everything back, as you both well know. <clears throat> a lot of the poultry shows were canceled last year. We haven't hatched a lot of chicks just because of the feed prices and um, really the fear of not being able to take birds to shows and sell them you know not being able to like you know get the stock sold so i haven't done a lot of upkeep on that but i'm sure everyone um shares in that that you know um feed prices and and all that has and covid has caused a lot of problems (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely and it seems like the more i scroll through facebook the more people i say oh reducing numbers or selling goats and herds there um, which could be for a whole lot of reasons, but yes. Right, yes. Well, Patricia, thank you so much for being our guest. We do appreciate that. Listeners, if you like this, tell a friend. If not, give us some feedback. Feedback is a blessing is what I tell people. 
Um, and, and we truly need it because we want to make, or steer the ship in the direction you listeners want us to go there. Um, again, we, we do listen to all feedback here. Always. So we are, we are trying to improve and get better every single day. And if you've been with us since the beginning, you know our editing has gotten better. So uh, with that being said, everybody, have a great week and thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Have a good week. Bye-bye.